Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hey, Changemakers. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding. Anyways, I just want to go through the letter of commitment. And the letter of commitment for grant applications is very different from a letter of support or even a memorandum of understanding or an MOU or even just a letter of intent. We've been going out over a lot of letters lately, and I don't want you to be confused by it, but the letter of commitment is probably the most similar to a letter of support and an MOU. It's kind of in the in-between. And a letter of commitment is basically really outlaying the commitment of time and value from someone or an entity that will commit to the grant if it gets funded. All right, so let's go ahead and go through this. So what the letter of commitment is, let's first look at what it actually is. It is a commitment between two or more parties. It is a non-legally binding document, but it does have some teeth. It has a lot more teeth than just a letter of support, where the letter of support is like, yeah, we support the project, right? There's no real commitment of engagement. But with the letter of commitment, there is a lot more commitment of engagement, what you're going to do. And the letter of commitment also includes the exact commitment, value, and time. So we can really say it's very measurable. And in this way, I like to say for a lot of people, especially if you need to have matching for any of your grants, so if you have to have matching funds, you're going to need a letter of commitment and an MOU if you're going to utilize any kind of matching. So what the funder is looking for is they're saying, hey, you need to match this grant. So how are we guaranteed that you're going to match the grant? And sometimes you might just have, you might actually have cash that you can match, like another grant that's a non-federal grant that you can use that cash as a match. But oftentimes, a lot of nonprofits also can, if the grant allows them to, utilize their actual in-kind monies and value to allow for the matching. So they don't have to use their funds or they may not have the actual cash to match it, right? They have a lot of volunteers. They have a space for their office that they don't have to pay rent for. It's donated to them. You know, they might have a phone line that's donated from the local uh, internet or technology, you know, place. They don't have to pay internet. They don't have to pay for their phone. They have a cell phone that they can use. And those are all things that are contributed to them at no cost, right? So you can use those values all of a sudden for something. And that's why you also need to track. And we will go into tracking timing in a different module. But for the specific parts of this, what we're talking about today is how did you actually capture what you're leveraging and put it into a time frame and put it into a value and show commitment, right? So that is what your letter of commitment is. A letter of support will not give you that leverage. It does not spell out exactly how much time, exactly how much value. It's more just supporting the project at large. A memorandum of understanding. So let's get into this right away. What the letter of commitment is not. And the letter of commitment is not a legally binding document. So a memorandum of understanding, or you hear it called as an MOU, is a legally binding document. So this is not a legally binding document, but like I said, it has some teeth and it's not a letter of support that is pretty much just like we support it, right? It actually spells it out. There's a lot more tangible commitment from it. So let's move into this. So how do we actually write it, right? How to write a letter of commitment. And remember our example. So our example that we've been talking about throughout January and now into 
to February, if you're listening or watching this anytime in that time frame in 2019, is our example of a nonprofit in the northern borough of Alaska in the Arctic Circle. There is a town, and this is actually, I'm making up the nonprofit. This is a fictional part, but this is a real problem. And this is something um, I was watching on BBC, and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And there are some other uh, news documentaries that I was watching. But in this town, what the village is facing is the issue is that there's a couple of issues, right? One of the issues is that in Alaska, due to climate change, the permafrost freezers that they were using to store their whale meat, and they are traditional society, so they have exemption and they have regulations and laws so they can actually hunt whales. Not everyone can, but they do have that leeway because it is a part of their tradition and heritage. But they usually hunt the whales and then they store them in the permafrost under the ground so they can have this food throughout the year, which is free, right? And it's very expensive to live in this area because everything has to be flown in. So poverty is high in this area. There's a lot of different stats that we pulled out. And looking at that, the, one of their things is saying, okay, one of the issues is that the, the permafrost in like freezers basically for their food are no longer functional because, you know, they're now they're filling up with water. It's just not staying frozen enough. So it's not keeping the food. So they need to build these containers. The other thing is that they have polar bears in their town and on the outskirts of their village. And it used to be only for a few weeks out of the year. And now it's for a few months out of the year. So the polar bears start to come into town sometimes and they want to keep their food safe. So what the fix kind of purpose of this example is that we're saying a nonprofit is looking to get monies from a foundation for $5,000 to build five containers that will keep the food cold and it will keep the food safe. So that is our example. So we're going to leverage that example today. All right. So as I talked about the nonprofit in Alaska, the problem is climate change affecting tradition and free food. Permafrost freezers for food are filling up with water. There's bears <laughs> and they need $5,000 for five containers. So so this is very similar to where we talked about a letter of inquiry before. So when we're going to start with is number one, and we have five tips today. The first tip in writing a letter of commitment is format tips. And this is the same way as we had it before. We want to be succinct, include the logo of the partner on the header. So right now it's not your nonprofit. So this nonprofit, they're reaching out to a partner to say, hey, can you give us a letter of commitment? Because in their budget, they're asking for $5,000, but $3,000 is for supplies to build the containers and $2,000 is for shipping. So they said they would have 10 volunteers to come in and provide the labor. So we're trying to get letters of commitment now from people who are going to provide the labor. So how do you do that? First, you have to be succinct. You have to include the logo of the partner on the header. Now this is coming from an individual. They're not gonna have a logo necessarily, and that's absolutely fine. But if it's coming from an agency or an entity, then please do include their logo and make this like more of an official looking document, right? All right, number three, this isn't like in, you know, it's not totally like cemented, but use time new Roman, 12 point font, one inch margins, unless the font and space is indicated. And why this is important is because because you know you just want to keep consistency and it's easy to read if you do funky fonts and you're doing it at like nine point it's going to be really hard to read so you just want to keep consistency so if they don't have an exact layout of how they want their letters of commitment right from the foundation or the federal government then just go ahead and use very standardized times new roman 12 point font one inch margin and the next thing of course is make sure that your letter includes a value and our time commitment and make sure it is signed and dated 
and we will go into number four and number five a little bit more. But those are your general formatting tips. And here, like and like I said, unless otherwise required by the foundation, include the, the all these steps that we're talking about today. Obviously, if they want it done a certain way and they say, here, use our template, use their template, not this one, right? This is for many federal grants and foundation grants that do not have templates. You can utilize this, what you're learning today. Okay, and of course, the salutation. The salutation is very important and it's just like the letter of inquiry. You wanna have the date at the top of the letter, include the person's name and title that you are writing to at the foundation or at the federal grant. Remember, don't write to whom it may concern. Do a little research and find out who you're supposed to write to. In this instance, we're writing to the Alaska Native Fund. Now, who did I find to contact? Well, I went to their website and where it went about and people, I looked at their board of directors. So what I did is included the chair name that's listed there, right? Because that's the head person that's overseeing everything, the president or the chair of the board. You could also write to the executive director, but more often you wanna to write to the top, the agency head, president of the board, that sort of thing. Okay, and of course include the address and contact information of the foundation or the federal grant. And that's also can be found on their, on their website or sometimes it can be found on the funding opportunity announcement. And utilize the good old fashioned Dear name of person. All right, so what does that look like? Here's our example. Our example we have here is the date, month, and year at the top. Attention, Chair Paul Reichart, and I may not be saying his name right, but Alaska Native Fund, 1227 West 9th Avenue, Suite 300, Anchorage, Alaska, 99501. Email is acfinfo.alaskaconservation.org, and the phone is 907-276-1917, and then I write couple spaces, boom, boom, Dear Mr. Reichart, right? It's simple. It's very, very simple. But just make sure you have this. It looks way more professional instead of not including a date, saying to whom it concerns, and not having the email or contact information. Because after you send this, you might not hear back or anything. Maybe you want to follow up. Maybe you just want to have this information. And it's easy if it's all on the document. And plus, it's just more professional. Okay, so that's pretty simple. So moving on, introductory. So, and this letter literally can be one page. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's not gonna be as long as your letter of intent. It's not gonna be, or as long as your letter of inquiry. It's not gonna be as long as your memorandum of understanding. It can be much shorter. It's very simple and to the point. So once again, uh, so let's move into number three, introductory. Unless otherwise required by the foundations, you will include the following steps. Keep this paragraph very short. Do not explain the need and how you will roll out the project. We're not even going there. Or actually, we're kind of touching on that. I'll show you in the example, but you don't have to explain the entire project. That is not the partner's role. They're gonna explain it very briefly and what their role is in the project, but they're not gonna explain the entire project because they, they may not be assisting with the whole thing. You're gonna include the name of the partners and that they are committed to partner with your nonprofit for the name of the grant, the name of the foundation or federal agency, the name of the project, and the time duration of the grant. And this is, remember, this is coming from an individual who is going to volunteer their time to actually help build the containers. So here's our example. I, and then state your name, whatever that would be, am committed to working with nonprofit name, which is an IRS tax-exempt 501c3 nonprofit organization that was incorporated in 2015 in the state of Alaska and strives to catch whales every year. I have volunteered at nonprofit name since 2015 and understand 
understand the value that the nonprofit provides for the community. I am aware that nonprofit name is submitting a grant for $5,000 from the Alaska Native Fund to build five containers to increase capacity in meeting traditional food needs for our community. I am committed to work as a volunteer to build the to help build the containers for this project that will be funded from October 1st, 2019 till September 20th, 2020. So there you go, September 30th, <laughs> for the time duration of the grant, right? So that is your example. And once again, if you can, if you listen to the letter of inquiry, you can pull in some of that language, the nonprofit tax exempt status, when they are incorporated, a little bit of their mission, just to kind of have, kind of like lay the ground, right, of why you're committing. So number four, the requirements, value and time. So how many hours? How much time are you actually contributing? What is going to be your volunteer time or amount? Like I said, if it was 12 months of rental space, how many square feet? How long would that be for? Is it a year at 500 square feet? What is the value of that? What would be the fair market value of that? So you can kind of twist this in any way that you want when you're looking at your in-kind. And of course, here we're looking at somebody's actual contribution, a volunteer. So you say, how many hours are they contributing and what is the value? So the example here is that my commitment is to volunteer 160 hours of my time valued at $33.43 per hour. And then in parentheses, I have taken from the Alaska Department of Labor wages and determination, right? So you wanna be able to source where you're getting your value from. I have 10 years of experience in the carpentry field and I adapt at building structures. Refer to attached resume. So what am I doing there? I'm building the core and just the foundation to say, yeah, you can charge 33.43 per hour, right? Based on our state's carpentry wages and wages and determination from the Department of Labor. So you're going to, and all I did was I went on the DOL website, the Alaska Department of Labor website, and I looked for carpentry and then I saw the average and that's what I selected. Now you might not always have to select the average, maybe because we're way up in North Borough and they have 10 years of experience and they're going to attach their their resume, you could actually provide the highest amount to show that value. And that's absolutely fine. But on the other hand, let me just go back for a second. On the other hand, if somebody came in and they have absolutely no experience, you might not do the average hourly rate, right? Because what are they, what are their skills? They have to have the skill set to actually charge that rate. So if they're just a straight up volunteer, no experience whatsoever, you wouldn't necessarily go then and look at this average rate. You would look at something less. So you really have to back up how you're actually valuing your volunteer hours. And here it's very clear because you're getting it from the Alaska Department of Labor website. You have a, a, a resume to show that you have the experience. And then of course, just to finish off this paragraph, you could even have it, you could set it up even further on that foundation to say, Furthermore, I have the indigenous knowledge of how to build facilities within our geographic area, which has uh, specifications for the extreme cold weather. Therefore, my volunteer time is valued at a total of $5,349 for project name. So right there in the beginning, you're saying 160 hours of my time valued at $33.43 per hour. And then you're saying this is why I can charge that much. And remember, you're not actually charging this to the grant, although this could be how you actually do charge a subcontractor or something. In this way, they're saying, no, I'm going to give my time at, at no cost. 
but this is the value of my time. And then of course, at the end, you're wrapping it up and you're totaling it. The total is, therefore my volunteer time is valued at a total of $5,349, right? So boom, so you have it all there. See how it's so simple. This is one little tiny paragraph, but this is the important part of the letter of commitment. This is really where you're saying, boom, this is how much it, this is the actual value. And of course, your conclusion. Your conclusion is provide a thank you and appreciation for the reviewer's time. You can also provide a graph showcasing the commitment just to reinstate that, not just through words, but through a graph. And you can include a contact name of your partner, the email address, and the phone number. Ensure that the document is also signed and dated. All right, so if we want to see that, you can have a little graph, the name of the individual. Once again, the hours committed, 160. The value of the time, $33.43 per hour. And the total value, $5,349. Okay. Boom, right there in a graph. And then you, the example conclusion statement would be, once again, I commit to contributing 160 hours valued at $33.43 per hour, totaling $5,349 at no cost to nonprofit name between October 1st, 2019 and September 30th, 2020 for the name of the project. If you have any questions, please contact me at individual at email.com and then the phone number placed there. Sincerely, signature of individual, printed name of individual role of the individual and name of company if applicable. So that's it. Very, very clear. Like I said, this can be on one page and there it is. It's your letter of commitment, but you have to make sure that you include your value and your hours and how you're getting your value. And then of course you have to sign it to really say, I am committed. That will kind of put the stamp, the seal of approval on it, right? You've got to put that stamp. All right. That's what we have for your letter of commitment. Now, if you would like to download the template and a sample letter of commitment, please do enroll in our Changemaker membership. All right, guys, so it is out now and it is there. We have um, different modules we're putting together, especially in this month of February 2019, if you're listening right now, we are putting together different modules all about the letters. In the, in the actual membership currently, we have the full entire grant writing course, so it is three hours, actually a little over three hours. It has downloadables, it has templates. We also have a 30 minute grant writing course. So if you're like, that's great, Holly, you got three plus hours of content in there, but I need 30 minutes. I just want a reminder. I want a really good framework quick. You can also take the, the quick and quick one, 30 minutes. And then we also have a way to vet foundations. So we have a course in there to talk about how do you actually, when you find a foundation, how do you know it aligns with what you're asking for your grant for, right? How do you know that you're going to actually have a good fit and be competitive to get that grant? And we, so we have a full module on how to do that. And it has a lot of good information. We also have all of our information about letters on this month. So the letter of intent, letter of inquiry, letter of support, letters of commitment, and the memorandum of understanding. We have short little tutorials on each one of those. Sometimes we have longer extended courses and we have samples and we also have templates of all of those. So if you're interested in that, please do sign up. Next month in March, we will be releasing our entire courses and modules and podcast all about 501c3s. I'm super excited because I also have an interview with a lawyer, Vanessa Williams, and she will be sharing her expertise on how to submit for a 501c3. So if you would like all of that value, get it at the beta price right now, $27 per month. Check out our webpage at grantwritingandfunding.com. 
gmail.com. All right, guys, you guys are the best. Keep emailing me your questions, holly at grantwritingandfunding.com. Yes, we are doing rebranding. You may have seen some. Um, so I'm really excited about the branding that we're doing, new logos, new color schemes. Um, we have the new membership. We're just rolling everything out and it's super exciting. So anyway, guys, thank you for listening. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe as we do offer valuable content every single week to help increase funding for your nonprofit or grow your grant writing business. All right, guys, I'll talk to you next time. Want to join the Changemaker Tribe and get courses, downloadable checklists, samples of awarded grants, behind-the-scenes live Q&A with myself and the tribe, and discounts on grant services, be sure to join the Changemaker membership at www.grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash membership.